He's too angry to die. It can drop a literal boulder on me. <laughs> Run away from Smoot. Benavere, I'll always listen to Kelsey. She's always right. Benavere, I'm coming, Smoot. <laughs> they hit me with the flurry of nips. I'm a fistum. That's right. <laughs> you better run. <laughs> All right. Honestly, I'm glad they ran. I felt like they could have probably kept going. Right. So, um, apparently he's a captain of this thing. What is it? The Starlight Maiden. Oh, that name sounds very familiar. With my old age and, and bad uh, note keeping, I just absolutely forgot about that. All right, gents, to the brothel. What? Excuse me. Welcome back, foundlings, to the Gate Chronicles. This is Chronicle 1, Chapter 66. I am your Game Master host and, well, that person that does all the writing in the background. My name is Emily, and I'm here today with my two only players. Go ahead and introduce yourselves, boys. Uh, hi, my name is Jaden, and I play Finnevere Veer, the Bardish Rogue. He's ever faithful, flamboyant, easily frightened, and a fighter of feints and fleet footwork. Not brought to you by ChatGPT this time. And who are you? Oh, I'm me, Quentin, the editor of the TGC podcast, and I play Charles Smote, 57-year-old biology teacher, born and raised in upstate New York, currently excited to be looking for one Clem Fetchum in a brothel. Oh, and we learned what kind of screaming it is last episode on the Gate Chronicles. You did? I didn't specify. I just said, like, the oh, good kind. Oh, we experienced. Yeah, it's the good kind. <laughs> what does that even mean? Well, I'm sure we're going to find out as we are currently walking into the establishment. Yeah. So, let's get started. Like taking candy from a baby, the party managed to collect enough geyser shell pearls to secure their passage aboard the vessel, the Starlight Maiden. The party headed to the docks the next day to meet with their captain, only to discover he was not aboard the ship, but rather in a unsavory location, at least unsavory for Kelsey and maybe a bit more joyous for the boys, who knows. But we pan back into the scene as the gentlemen, well, are they gentlemen? That's the real question. Walk in to a brothel. I don't think gentlemen are welcome at this establishment. <laughs> Finnevere Revere needs to be more thin than Avere right now. All lady sound effects in the background were donated by our two players. Thank you. You better be adding some. It better not be all us. As you walk into this brothel, it is smoky in here. It smells of tobacco amongst other sorts of unsavory scents, body odors, and whatnot. However... You know this is the place, as there is a raucous noise coming from the left-hand corner of the room, which is barely lit, but you can see there is a rather large table that is filled in by several men with women sitting on their laps. I'm going to walk over there, perception-checking the individual who looks like a stereotypical pirate. Oh, okay, stereotypical pirate. Go ahead and make a perception check, then. 24, Okay. So, as you said, stereotypical captain, 
You have to stop for a moment as you realize almost every single person in this place looks like the stereotypical captain with the bushy beard, similar tailcoat, and hat. At the big table, though? There are six of them. At the big table? At the big table. Charles Smoot just glares at all of them before just putting his boot on the table. Table and be like, all righty. Which one of you is Clown Pesha? As you step on the table with your body weight, the table begins to tip. And you see as all of the cards that were on there fly off and land on the ground along with the ale. Mm-hmm. And one of the women who was sort of leaning on it, she loses her balance and falls onto the floor with a heavy thud. Finnevere, oh! uh, being a perfect gentleman, will help the woman up. Uh, well, thank you, sir. She kind of like brushes up against you, leaning into you, helping her up. Meanwhile, the table of men are all kind of grumbling very angrily. However, it does appear they are also very drunk and barely able to stand on their own, including one of the gentlemen who's sitting in the far back corner of this table. He seems to have a very long uh, reddish bushy beard and reddish hair, and he's just chuckling himself. (laughs) That would be me, lad. That would be me. Now you wouldn't mind picking up the mess you made. Ah, yeah, sure, whatever. Charles Smith just flips the table back over and just starts collecting all the cards from on the table. Mary, another round. Are there supposed to be five aces in this one? He reaches over, like, looking over, clicking his tongue. Oh, shit. And he, like, puts it very close up to his eyes, but you can see in his drunken state, he's, like, a little woozy and he's barely holding the cards. Hi. That would be ten there, you see. And he just places them down on the table. Oh, you know, what would I know about basic arithmetic? He looks at you. And he, like, blinks his eyes, sort of like in a confused state, seeming to play with his facial hair, scratching at it. What if you make a perception check? 28. 18. Then seeing that you are paying the closest attention to this captain, you, as he's scratching at his beard... You see something that is slightly discolored in it. A small patch at the center appears just a shade lighter and more brown. And as he's scratching it, it seems to kind of twitch and then disappears inside of the beard. Take a seat, Ash. It's nice to see you all, boys. Mary comes back, seemingly carrying several large tankards of what is ale and places them down at the table. Meanwhile, the other captain's kind of are laying on the ground. Most of them are actually asleep. It looks like you're missing your card-playing compatriots. They're missing? They're certainly not with us. He looks around wildly in, like, a very worried state. Did you hear that, my voice? They're all missing. <laughs> he leans over the side table and then vomits on the ground. So, uh, I think you're supposed to be captaining a ship soon, like this evening? He stares at you for a moment. No, I can't say I am. Are, are you Clem Fetchum? He pauses for a second. I, I am Clem Fetchum. Right, we, we were sent here by Lang. Can I sense motive that I am Clem Fetchum? You can tell that he seems confused and is most certainly drunk. But he also seems to be confident that he is Clem Fetchum. Strangely, you've no reason to doubt this man. Do you know someone named Lang? Lang? Oh, that weird boy, isn't he a cutie? Uh, it depends on your I, standards, I guess. I remember when I found him when he was a small lad. 
He just kind of pauses, and he seems to look up to the skies of reminiscing. A tear runs down his face. Honey, grow up so fast. Okay. We are to be passengers on your boat, and we were told it is leaving this evening. We would like to iron out the details. Uh, you joking, Lang? Yeah, he told us to find you. And you found me. Congratulations. How do you feel about, like, ten-foot-tall elves? I feel fantastic right now. Okay, that sounds like a seal of approval. Benavir, what do you think? Honestly, seals aren't even in this place. He seems perfectly able to give finalizing judgment. And you're right in Mr. Mr. Captain Fetchum, when would be a good time to discuss this? Uh, we can discuss it right now. Go ahead and take a seat. Uh, ec- excellent. I'll he'll stand up and then sit back down. <laughs> Charles Smith will sit down. <laughs> oh, you're a bouncy one, aren't you, Ash? Uh, Ash? Uh, my name is Finevere Avere. Are you sure? Uh... You look like an Ash to me. Do you mean an Asher? What are you in talking about? Ash, you're crazy. Just sit down and take a nail. And just, you can help this lad onto the ship, I think. He kind of, like, starts standing up little tipsy and starts like falling over as he gets up. As he stands up, you can see he is a little bit taller than Finnevere, but he is very muscular and probably as sturdy as Charles Smoot. He's certainly a middle-aged man. He has three scars marring the right side of his face that are all linear. You notice that as he's been talking, it seems that that side of his face might be partially paralyzed, leaving his facial expressions strangely crooked when he speaks. But he certainly has a fantastic mustache, all combed and groomed. The beard is a little bit more a mess, though. Very strange. Uh, could could we help take you back to the Starlight Maiden? Are you sure you're going to be able to get there all right? Of course, course I'll get there all right. Me and Ash will go to together. And he just, like, puts his arm around Finnevere. And Finn, you feel as he kind of, like, puts a lot of weight on you. He's very heavy. Uh, all right, um... All right, well, you heard the man... Ash, I guess you're helping take him back to the, his ship. All right, now can we get this man some bread? You think I'm paying for him? There's a very strong scent of vomit kind of like trailing him as he's leaning on you, and it's kind of dribbled into his beard a little bit. It is going to. <laughs> Things just tied to low Make him. a repugnant face like he's... Not very enthused by that. He's going to whip out his his rag and tie to woe this man, whether he likes it or not. Oh, uh, Mary, can we get some bread on his tab? And Smoot just points at Clem. Mary comes over carrying what appears to be just a very large loaf of bread, which he grabs with his meaty hands, picks it up, and just kind of starts chewing on it. And the crumbs fall into his beard. Charles Moot and Finn make a perception check. Okay, so we both got 14. No, I got a 16. What? Yep, I have two more in perception than you. Oh, is that because you're wiser? It's because I'm a level higher. Oh. <laughs> you see that as he is eating and the crumbs fall into his beard, he just kind of, like, brushes them off using the bread, which more crumbs fall into it as a result. He is a mess currently, and he is leaning on Finnevere, Looking at him. All right, I'm sure he did head back to the ship. Uh, right, Captain. Right. You know, it's very strange. You haven't aged today. When was the last time you saw him? As he says that last part, 
he falls unconscious. The sudden shift in weight is surprising to you. You feel him kind of slip, but you quickly readjust yourself, grabbing him as he kind of like hangs his head just slightly like two inches from hitting the ground. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, Mr. Smoot. Yeah, you look like you got him. Uh, no. Oh, okay. So, <clears throat> ah, fine. I'll take him off your hands. I just sling the captain over my shoulders. Uh, <laughs> check, please. So, no, no, it's on his tab. Charles, the sailing in this place is relatively low. You take the captain, swinging him over your shoulder, and yeah, his head hits, hits against one of the beams, and you just hear like fine. a thunk. That's fine. He's already unconscious. What's he going to do? Exactly. So, like, the body, like, thunks and then falls over your back. I'm so quick to see if he's going to coin on him. <laughs> you want to check for coin? Yeah, I was going to do that, too. Okay, sure. Yeah, we're going to pay his tab with his money. You dig through his coin purse and you find that he has an enormous amount of coinage within, varying from copper bits all the way up to what appears to be a singular gold piece. He definitely has enough money to pay whatever tab he has. Mary, what's his tab? If you be wanting to give it to me, I'll just take what it needs, but it should be around 300 silver. He bought three rounds for the entire business. A generous man. He will be generously paying us to escort him back to his boat. He has what appears to be the equivalent of 400 silver. The quartermaster's going to murder this guy. Yeah, I'll pay his tab and then like keep 20 silver for myself. Would Finn notice this? Finn, you could attempt to make a perception check. Uh, Charles Smoot would need to make a thievery check. 10 for Charles Smoot's thievery. Yeah, 20 for, for Finn's perception. Finn, you are a master of currency at this point, and you notice that Charles seems to have counted out 20 extra silver coins. And that he seems to try and <clears throat> rub his hand against the back of his neck and kind of like pop Finn is going to punch Smoot for full damage. Or whatever that equates to. All right, <laughs> what, so... Whippy Finn Bear's arm of punch. You know as well as I do, the amount is not worth the trouble. What? Don't make me repeat it. We're escorting him back to his boat. This is a convenience fee. Of course, thank you for your patronage. Come back next time. All right, we'll make our way out. Yeah, and we, we begin carrying Clem Fetcher back to the Starlight Maiden. You walk back to the Starlight Maiden, and you do not see Valen or Kelsey on the dock anymore. Probably. It seems that they probably boarded the boat. There is the gangplank that leads up the side, and as you approach to it, you see Lang standing at the top. He looks at you, holding his captain on your shoulder. He shakes his head. He definitely seems to sigh as his shoulders kind of slump, and he turns around, waving you on board. Cool. And we go board the gangplank and onto the boat. Where do you want me to put him? Like a pile of rope? As you walk onto the deck, a collection of men from his crew seem to run up. There are six of them. They hoist him off your shoulder, and you uh -huh. see six of them just kind of carry them overhead into Word. the captain's quarters, which is off to the right. Got it. Not the first time this has happened. Probably not the last. And so, almost as soon as you are on the deck, gentlemen, you hear as Lang begins barking orders. Raise the mainsails. Hoist anchor. Take off, gentlemen. And almost immediately, the sails fly out. You see as the boat begins to pull away from the dock. It is evening, and just as Sawa had said, you were departing that evening. Lang turns to you. 
Your quarters are below deck. You'll be within the hold. Unfortunately, there's no separate rooms for you, so you'll have to make yourselves comfortable there. And there is a private... He kind of just tilts his head. Hidden room for if we run into any trouble. Uh, do you anticipate we will be running into trouble? As of late, there is a barricade entering into the Red Kingdom. We'll have to pass through there in order to get to Taija. Your friends filled me in on the situation, and everything seems to check out. If all goes well, Lang, um, roughly how long is the journey estimated to be? And at any point, will we need to, like, dock at a midway or something? There are a few stops along the way, yeah. It'll be about 14 days at most. Given good weather, could be 10. Yeah, do we get food? Do we have a meal plan as a part of... Also, did we pay you, him, Captain? Everyone made it on the ship, uh, Including uh, my elk? He just looks at you, smiles. Yes, your companions have boarded the ship already. Your elk is within the hold as well. Now, as a matter of payment, we were told that you would provide it. And we shall. Yeah, who do we give it to? He reaches his hand out. Oh, anyway, so I'm going to hand him four. It's one per person. He tilts his head and raises an eyebrow. Come on now, don't try to stiff me. Oh, and for the elk? If we're providing food and board for a creature, absolutely. No, I, I suppose. You hear him? He's, he's going to feed Cerulean too. Oh, this is great. He's holding his hand out, waiting for you to give him the fifth. Then he'll like, gladly hand him the fifth. Right. Thank you very much. He tosses in the air, catching them all at once before turning back, and he seems to walk towards the captain's quarters. Before entering, he barks several orders to a few men who come to you and offer to show you around. Excellent. Why not? So this ship has essentially three decks, right? So you have the main deck, you have the middle deck, and then you also have the hold, which is on the bottom. It's a boat, guys. There are three decks. A semi-medium easy hard deck. (laughs) It is a very nice cargo ship with ample space, and you actually see that there are several cannons, at least six on either side of the ship on that middle deck. And you guys go to your quarters where you do see Kelsey and Balin and Cerulean, who are all on the same area, while Cerulean, though, is roped off on a side of the deck. How are you feeling, you landlubbers? I am fine right now. I don't like the creaking. Oh, don't worry. You'll get used to it. Or vomit. Or both. Vomit to get used to it. That's the goal. You know, I've always pictured going out on a ship, a cargo ship even, but also I didn't think about how far away it would always be from the land, and that's not a thrilling point for me right now. You see Valen's kind of like just sitting there quietly. How you doing, champ? And Charles just pats him on the back really hard. He looks at you. I absolutely hate ships. Why? What's wrong with them? For the exact same reason that Finnevere is talking about. The land. Where is the land? We've only been down here for like 20 minutes now and I'm already suffocating. Head up to the middle deck and open a porthole. Stick your head out. You'll be fine. Well, I'm going to go maybe get something to eat. Since it's around dinner time, I don't know about anybody else. Yeah, we paid good money for the food. Hopefully it's not trash. But knowing pirate boats, it is. Charles... As you lay down for sleep the first night, you feel a little shaky still. Selrak has been there in the back of your mind for a while. It seemed that maybe the night of he might have been recuperating himself, but 
Tonight, you feel as he is tormenting you in your mind. As you begin drifting off to sleep, you find yourself awakening inside of you in the black room. Charles. Charles. Charles! You whimpering cur. You cannot ignore me any longer. Ignore you? Why am I here? Oh, it was so pleasant while you were gone. Pleasant? You pathetic, puny, insignificant vessel. You are failed by glorified weasels. Me? Me? If I recall correctly, we defeated it. You were the one who poofed and vanished. If anything was held back, it was me, restrained by your reservation. You have not embraced my offering, nor have you experienced true power. You you could barely beat them. What, What do you mean, true power? It was not a mutual understanding. You have been given but a mere taste. Allow me to take control, Charles. Nothing could stand before us. No, no, you, last time we were, oh, I mean, not, not literally last time, last time you were beaten up by, by otters. But pre, you almost hurt Kelsey. <laughs> Feeble pawns, Charles. You need to understand they are insignificant. They are my friends, my family. And until you understand and respect that, we won't come to any understanding whatsoever. Understanding, you fool. I don't need your permission, you arrogant whelp. I will take it for myself. He seems to lurch towards you, his black sludge reaching out and attempting to encompass you, when all of a sudden, a light seems to break through the darkness above you. Is it the gnome? (laughs) Am I feeling lucky, punk? You hear a voice calling out to you, calling your name. It's familiar, but for some reason you can't place what it is. Your mind is being engulfed by Selrak. You have one arm free. Would you reach out to the light? No, I'm going to just, like, hug Selrak. We're best of friends. Yes, Charles Smoot would very eagerly grasp for the light. As you reach your hand up towards the light, you feel something grab back and all of a sudden you wake up in a cold sweat once again Kelsey is leaning over you Mr. Smoot are you okay? <laughs> uh, 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 fine Kelsey you, you, you embody an angelic hand in people's dreams frequently? What are you talking about? You are having a nightmare And then you pulled me out of it? I, I sort of shook you I guess uh, That's pretty close Yeah Right. Okay. Maybe get some fresh air and try to sleep again later. Maybe, maybe that's a good idea. All right. Charles Smoot will go above deck. Okay. I'm going to say that unless there's anything you guys wanted to do uh, or talk about at this point, about four days will pass, which go by swimmingly. <laughs> Only one thing. Sure. Finn would like to decorate our little quarters area with his gnome, which he brought with him this time. (laughs) Okay. And he tells everyone that the 
pawn shop guy said it was genuinely lucky if you rubbed its head. So over the course of days, which actually gets to experiment, he's going to try to figure out what it does. Okay. How lucky it is. Do you pedestalize the gnome? Where do you keep Isabel? Uh, in my front pocket, as always, unless specified otherwise. Okay. So, Jaden, on the first evening, essentially, you, you do your gnome pat. You get a little weird look from Valen. And then just mutters under his breath, oh, superstitions. Just walks away. I need you to roll a perception check. Here we go. Oh boy, 25. Okay. For some reason, the next day, after you have woken up and you get up, you walk by where you had placed the gnome before. The gnome is no longer there. That gun. I'll go hunting around for it. I got time. Nothing but time. So it takes you an hour to find this gnome. And in fact, you also, as you're searching around, you realize that Isabel's missing. Oh, no, that's far more panicking. Isabel first, no later. It takes you an hour to almost realize that Isabel is missing because you just get up. You always expect her to be there. Yeah. She wasn't. Where did he go off to? I- Isabel? Oh, my. So. Woman? Who are you talking to? My therapist. Oh, no. Mr. Smooth. Kelsey just runs off to go get Charles at some point. As you're looking around, you manage to find the gnome behind one of the stairs. And for some reason, Isabel is there as well. Nearby the gnome, there appears to be a tinder twig. Oh, no. Okay, so this is more important now than it ever was. I'm pretty sure you once told me this gnome was like a waist height tall, or is he like a no. little gnome? No, 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 no. it's like He's this big. It, it, it's gnome. literally like eight inches. Okay, so a little travelocity to the gnome. Yeah. Okay. Okay, the right size for it, I think. <laughs> well, hello there. It, he's just going to do the, like, the thing with his eyes, like, I'm watching you, but he's going to do it at the gnome. Question. Answer. Tinder twig. Is there an obvious interpretation here that, like, you know, it's like a flower? Is there, like, a stage set here where the tinder twig's part in its setup is obvious? Like, it's supposed to be some kind of representation. Like, if you were, if you were playing dolls with thing, would it be, like, a thing held up from one character to another with purpose? A tinder twig is a match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You... Is one of them holding it, or is it just sitting there in the middle? Jaden. No, Finnevere. They're just dolls. How could they hold it? I could be laying in one of their hands. Like <laughs> well, the gnome is almost always... Anytime you have found it, it is always standing upright. It's kind of like a ceramic statuette, almost. Currently, you look at the tinder twig, which is just lying in front of it. All right, he'll pick up the tinder twig and put it with the rest. Is he missing one? Yes. Okay, very interesting. He'll take, <laughs> he'll take them back up, put the gnome back where it was. You know, I think he's a bit old for you, he'll say to Isabel. But to each their own. But I'm watching you. So he'll put him back in the shirt pocket. Okay. Just keep an eye on them. Do you do your regular head paths then? Yeah, uh, you would at some point in the day. So there, there are going to be several events that happen kind of simultaneously here. But it looks like, Quentin, you had something you wanted. Well, if there are cannons, there must be gunpowder. There, there is gunpowder. So I'm going to roll whatever is necessary to inquire around the vessel about where they get their gunpowder, where would be a good place to buy explosives. Okay. So you would like to use your diplomacy skill sure. to gather information. Are you someone besides diplomacy? No. Diplomacy is used to gather information. Oh, big wolf. 
Your your statement was very particular. Nine. Total. See, in Pathfinder terms, that is a critical failure. You... Insult all of their mothers. Actually, what seems to happen is, Charles, as you were talking with several of the sailors about gunpowder and, like, how where you could potentially get some, like, bombs and stuff, some of them are engaging you in this. However, Lang approaches you. Please do not inquire as to where you can obtain explosives while on this ship. Why? I don't know what your intentions are, but they do not sound good. What else do you use explosives for? Please return to the hold. I need to blow something out. You are basically turned away as a result of your conversation, and it appears that the attitude that Lang had towards you has shifted down. Well, fine, Lang. The next time you need to explode something, I won't help you. And Charles Mugray curmudgeonly stops downstairs. Meanwhile, Finnevere, over the course of the next several days, as you are patting your gnome's head, Mm -hmm. it seems that it's never where you leave it. And in fact, on the second night, it seems that a small piece of twine was wrapped around Isabel's neck and thrown over what appears to be a small pole, almost as if there was something nefarious going on. <clears throat> so he's going to pack all that up. He's going to try to find the most private area he can do to talk <laughs> to inanimate objects, because this is going to get heated. <laughs> so he's going to try to find that private hole that we were talk- uh, talking about. You know where it is. Okay, he's going to go in there. Just listen, I know she can hear me. I don't know what about you. So help me. You so much as lay a hand on her again. I am going to do something. I'm going to do something. <laughs> I'm going to find out what's inside that little porcelain head of yours. Do you understand me? If you do, find something else to mess with. You you hear a knock on the hidden compartment wall. Uh, Mr. Finnevere, are you okay? I'm hearing voices. Uh, yep, that's me. Uh, he'll come out. She kind of like looks around you. Is, is there somebody else in there with you? Uh, he is going to do his best to make sure the crew can't hear him. He doesn't care what his friends think. Just experimenting on this probable relic or cursed item, one or the other, or both. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, Mr. Finnegart and Alison, I heard you said the other day you were needing to talk to a therapist. Do you need someone to talk to? Is there something going on here? I mean, usually, yeah. I mean, it's not always convenient to talk to people around you because then they can form hazardous opinions. And Oh, it, I see. If you're offering. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, of course, I would be happy to listen to anything you need to talk about. That's what friends are for. We could try that. I have a lot to unpack, but... <laughs> You see, sometimes it's easier. Uh, he starts explaining his thought process of why he has been talking to Isabel. Uh-huh. Uh, like... Yeah, <laughs> right. Basically, a lot of in his life has changed. It's con- it's constant change. So leaving home, meeting them, doing seeker stuff, getting branded and all that. He'll probably tell her that at this point, take off his glove. Oh, that looks very bad. Uh, yeah, I've considered scraping it off. Oh, don't do that. Yeah, it'd probably hurt and leave a similarly ugly scar, but... I think the scar would look the exact same. Just a little bit less defined, I guess. Well, I'm going to head up topside for a little bit. 
Like Mr. Smooth said, getting fresh air really does help. Balin doesn't even stick around down here anymore. Yeah, we should probably keep an eye on him. Well, thank you for listening. Absolutely. Okay, so another day passes. Um, both of you roll perception check. 25 for Charles Smoot. Woo, 27 for Finn. You both notice over the next few days when you've actually seen the captain up topside, Charles, you uh, do seem to get along well with this captain. First of all, you notice that there is something definitely in his beard. Whenever you talk with him, it seems like something is moving around inside of it. And secondly, he's constantly looking at Finnevere, seeming slightly confused. Yeah, no, it's just Charles Smoot is not, is absolutely not going to let this slide. He's going to approach the captain, especially if we're kind of chummy. Um, so, uh, Clem. Hi. Uh, uh, how long have you known Ash for? Who? A- Ash. When we were in the tavern the other day, uh, you mentioned that... How do you know that name? You you said it, not me. I did? You did, I in did. the tavern the other day. Uh. You said that my compatriot looked like Ash? Aye, he does. I was meaning to be asking about that. Well, you can ask. You don't have to just stand there and look confused. Thanks, Quentin. <laughs> Most certainly a very strange thing. I imagine this is happening while you both are, like, standing on the top deck, just, like, looking down at yeah. Finnevere and, like, Kelsey, who are walking around. Oh, like, he's separated from me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're yeah. looking down upon him. Yeah. All right. I knew someone by that name many years ago. He looks strangely like the lad. Did he have a last name? Can't say I know. Uh-huh. He just went by the name Ash. You know where he came from? Or where he went? Where he came from? Nay. Where he went? As far as I'm aware. He said he was heading out east, looking for more adventure. Ah, interesting. We sailed for a bit, maybe about three years together, out in the open seas. And how long ago did you meet him? How many years has this been? I'd say maybe about ten years now. All I know is he wanted to make a name for himself. Something about family problems, blah, 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 the usual. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's what's going around, you know. So you say his name is uh, this one over here, Svinevere, then? Yeah, Finnevere Avere or Finnevere Asher, I don't know. Very strange. I don't know either. I don't know. I mean, he, I'm not he, a learned man, you he, see. He changes a lot of things. I. Well, I'm going to go get me some brunch. Sounds good. What are we having? And they go down with us all and they chat it up. If you go down with him and you sit with him, at some point you do see the creature that lurks within his beard. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is it a squirrel? No. In fact... Is it a star? It is an otter. Oh, let's go. One of the days when you're sitting with him, as you're getting to know him better... This little one is Starlight. She's a cutie, ain't she? Oh, she is absolutely adorable. Oh my gosh, she is adorable. I will say, those things are ferocious. Aye, but she was hand-raised. As you can see, she's not very big. She's three years old. Probably won't get any bigger. She was abandoned as a pup. Oh, how tragic. Uh, some, some barbarian just came and just killed her parents. It's tragic. Meanwhile, as you're having all these conversations, Finnevere, you see Lang, who is up on the upper deck. He seems to be actually throwing daggers at what appears to be a training dummy. And his marksmanship is spot on. But strangely enough, you see that 
anytime he throws these daggers, they seem to come back to him automatically with just like this little flourish of his wrist. Right, can I inspect the daggers to try to see if I think they're a relic before I go and say something a little off color? You want to inspect the daggers. How, how would you do that? Uh, at a distance and just kind of look them up and down for anything that looks like a, something built into them. You would not be able to see that easily. You would have to make a very high perception check. How far is he throwing the daggers? Pretty far. I'm going to mark that pretty far. He throws them relatively far, and they seem to come back rapidly, making it difficult to see them. They're less dagger-like and actually more like needles in a way. Like, they're thick, but they don't seem to have a standard hilt or dagger appearance. Mighty fine marksmanship. Thanks. He just throws another one and it comes whizzing back into his hand. I can be pretty good on the swing myself, but not the coming back part. Uh, he'll toss up a ball bearing and then just kind of do the point gesture and make it. He'll do a telekinetic projectile. Can I roll the hit? Yeah. Uh, 31. You hit this training dummy with the ball bearing, which kind of just shoots through it. It's so good of a hit. You actually shatter the wood in the back. It flies out. But unfortunately for you, it continues going for a long distance until it like disappears from view and it probably has landed in the ocean. I think you need more control of that. Yeah, probably. Like I said, can't get them back very often. Right. If you don't mind me asking, if you do, don't worry. How do I? You know, make them come back. Oh. They're very useful. I lose these things all the time. You see as he kind of reaches onto his wrist, there's a small little attachment that he has and he holds up. The dagger itself. You want to try it? Oh, yeah. That seems amazing. I'll try it on. Yeah, it's like a little stick. Like you stick it on your skin almost. Okay. But it sticks on the wrist part and then he holds the dagger. Like I said, it's almost like a thick needle. Probably about three inches long and an inch wide, but narrowing down to a point. Does he spin throw it like a dagger or does he chuck it like a dart? He almost throws it like a frisbee himself. Kind of oh. like he gives himself a little bit of an arc before he throws it with pure precision. All right. Uh, he'll try to hit the dummy with the dagger. Another 31. Well, seeing that there was no dummy there anymore, he, he just kind of like let you throw it. You throw it directly into what's lying on the ground and it kind of just eviscerates it. But it comes flying back towards you. You need to roll a reflex catch. This is the first time you've done this. So, you know what? You know, I think we fun. We roll it at a disadvantage. Sure. Okay, so that's a 19 and a better than 19. You almost lose it as it flies back. It kind of like slips between your like hands a little bit, but you catch it right by the end of the so-called hilt. Whoa, that's pretty cool. Uh, thank you. And he'll very gently remove it and hand it back. And he takes it back. He just walks over to the dummy and just kind of kicks it with his feet a little bit. Blast. Hey, Urkel, I need another one. And he walks away. Several days have passed overall. Around day five, however, you notice that the weather here has changed. It's no longer bright and sunny, but rather the ocean has become quite foggy. It is so thick, you can barely see 10 feet ahead of you. There is a strange tension about the ship, as even the sailors, who were singing cheerfully aboard the previous day, they have grown silent themselves. It seems that this fog has soured the mood. There is definitely a sort of discomfort on the deck, and you can see that several of the sailors are kind of standing idly by, whispering 
to each other. Uh, can we try to listen in? Oh, you absolutely could try to listen or you could ignore them. That's, that's kind of like how the game works, you know? Whoa, but I wanna. Well, then do okay, it. then you canna. 19 for Finn. What do these elf eyes hear? Elf eyes <laughs> are hearing? They might be with a roll like that. 28 for Charles Smoot. Blasted fog. Can't even see far ahead of us. I hope we don't run aground. Aye, this is the worst it's ever been. Clam, how, how do you navigate through all this? I will be slowed down quite significantly for the time being. As long as we don't run into any, well, unsavory creatures, we should be well and good, as they say. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a landlubber, as you probably refer to them as. What, what, what kind of unsavory creatures am I supposed to be terrified of? Ah. <laughs> uh. Yes, you landlubbers, you never experienced the creatures of the deep. The briny blue. Well, luckily for us, we're not out in the deep ocean. We're still protected by the land masses. Our island to the west. But if we were out in deeper waters, we would maybe worry about the fish men or the great serpents of the seas. So, aside from the continent, we just came from. There's an island out to the west? Aye, indeed. Some of the land there is claimed by the Red Kingdom, but beyond that it's mostly abandoned. Uh, interesting. Uh, I guess I'm thankful for the island to making this water shallow and not filled with, did you say, fish people? Aye. <laughs> I might as well try and brighten the spirits of the lads, don't you think? And he starts kind of like humming a little bit of a tune, which strangely, as he said, the words were supposed to be, or at least he said he was trying to brighten the mood. It seems that as other sailors join in, it is almost more mournful and increases the tension on the boat. In distances where darkness lies. A tale of dreadnought starless skies Of a creature born from ocean's lore The fisher of men forever more This fog continues for another day. It doesn't seem to get any thicker, but the tension and the mood on the ship continues to remain just as sallow. However, you hear from the crow's nest as the lookout shouts, Captain, I think I see a ship out there. You both can make a perception check. Oh boy, can I use my uh, my spyglass? You could attempt to use your spyglass. Oh, I'm going to try Charles Smoot's, like, playing with Starlight or Cerulean or something, because he got a total 14 on you're, his perception. You're playing with both of them. Oh, my gosh. They became fast friends. They became fast friends. 17 perception. And Charles Smoot... Uh, oh, yeah, you had a 14. Yeah, I had a total 14. The fog is so thick. Honestly, it's a surprise that the lookout saying that he sees anything at all. I would say it's not until you are probably within 300 feet of it can you see anything at all. And it looks like it seems to be some sort of light that's flashing or passing by. 
I'm not sure, Captain. It could be a lighthouse for all I know. If it's a lighthouse you want to steer clear, we're going to run ashore. You say. Roll your perception check. 26 for Charles Smith. Uh, 18. Finevere, you're having trouble. You think you see something, but it's really hard to make out where you are on the ship. Charles, you see this light. It isn't moving like a lighthouse light at all, but it does seem to be kind of flashing, and it looks almost like a signal of some sort. It could be another ship, maybe a wrecked one. Finn just realizes something, and he's going to race to try to get to his party members and go, look, we need to get down. Whoever this is, they could recognize us. If they stay on the ship, they could say something, and we won't have the option of hiding anymore. I think we need to get below deck and wait this out. It's going to be the barricade they were talking about. All right. Later, Dang. And Charles Smith just booked it downstairs. Okay. All right. So you boys, you run downstairs. Yep. Gathering up your party members. As you guys are below deck, you begin to hear strange sounds sort of reverberating through the walls of the ship, through the hull. And then you begin to hear screaming topside, and something seems to hit against the ship. Uh, Finn, if, if, if we might be getting boarded right now. Yeah, no, that doesn't sound like, you know, inconspicuous passengers. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get that. I, my, yeah, no, we're going. Okay, we might need to help them. And we curtly turn around from going downstairs and yep. run back upstairs. Oh yeah, we do that. Now we go back up. Beautiful, okay. As you rush back up onto the top side of this deck, you see as several of the sailors are actually strewn in the masts themselves. One of them has actually been pierced against one of them, which has been broken. Within the fog, you see glowing eyes and teeth and a hovering light, which seems to swing and sway in front of you. It flickers slightly, and every time it flickers, you see the light of this creature's teeth, which are almost translucent, glow brighter. Its eyes are almost completely white, and it has sharp spikes traveling down the back of its body. It is oddly shaped overall. And from the tale you have just heard, it seems that you may have found yourself encountering the Fisher Omen. So, um, we are going to be doing something that is not standard for combat. We're going to be using no character sheets, no dice. You are going to want to take really good notes. We are going to be playing this as a card game. You know, every ocean journey requires a sea battle. That, that is just needed. And for the audience at home, we will be moving the entirety of how we played out this combat to our Patreon. So if you want to go check that out and support us on Patreon, go ahead and do so. But for now, we are going to skip to the best part, the actual results of the combat, the magic of editing. This fisher men as you've determined it to be, it has a strange proboscis tentacle that kind of reaches out and slams down across the front of the deck, and you see as several of the men kind of get splattered underneath of it. It then takes that tentacle and it swipes it across the front of the deck, and it knocks into the mast, which you hear a slight cracking sound as it withdraws it. The crew immediately 
jumps into action. Running below deck, several of them start launching cannons against it, and you see as this thing kind of reels back and lets out a shrill shriek. Finnevere, what do you do? Finn is going to climb uh, up to the, what do you call it, the crow's nest. Okay. And he's going to fire off a slew of telekinetic projectiles. Okay. You fire off a slew of telekinetic projectiles, and for some reason, these just seem to aim true. You've had good practice with Lang. Yeah, hit it right in its nice, glowy, video game weak point looking eyes. You see the critical sign just pop up. Uh, meanwhile, you see down below as Kelsey seems to give some extra strength to Valen, who then launches what appears to be a large icicle projectile at this creature, which then also reels back. You see some of its teeth kind of shatter off of its face, and the crew continues firing cannonball after cannonball, landing against this creature, the captain barking orders, and he seems to be enjoying this as he bellows and chuckles loudly. You see as Kelsey seems to tap into her inner energy that Finnevere has been encouraging her to try and do all along, and there seems to be some sort of psychic energy that hits against this creature, and it shudders. You actually feel as the ship kind of gets lifted slightly underneath, tilting to the side as some of the crew kind of fall, and you guys having to hold on for dear life. It crashes back down to the water. You hear a cracking of the hull underneath. As the ship resets itself, Charles Smoot runs up to the edge with his giant greatsword. But as he gets to the railing, he freezes, and he feels a lack of confidence in himself as he has this nagging voice in the back of his head. Mr. Smoot! Charles, you have entered into the mouth of this beast for some reason. You thought this was the greatest It's the weakest point! You find yourself in a very dark, damp, cold place. As water kind of rushes back in as it falls back into the water. Meanwhile, up on the top side, you see Valen seem to panic slightly as he sees his friend enter into this creature's mouth, and he seems to create a ledge of ice, which he then runs out onto as these cannonballs are firing, and he is hitting against its teeth. And surprisingly, he freezes some of them, and they break off as he is trying to break open its mouth. The monster is angry at this point, as it seems to be severely hurt from all the damage it's taken from the cannonballs and the damage to its teeth. It lashes against the ship, trying to wrap its tentacles around it to crush it. But then, from within... Zorak, I don't need your help! And Charles Smoot just, like, plunges his greatsword, like, right into the roof of its mouth, trying to, like, stab up into its brain. Finn gets the right angle and purchase at this thing. He'll sling one of his daggers towards the beast, going straight down the gut, hopefully into a vital organ. As you throw it, he is cutting into the roof of the mouth. You throw it, and you see as your dagger pierces into this creature's brain, and you see as all this gush of ooze kind of slinks down into the mouth. Charles Smoot covered in this viscera, though the fish begins to sink back into the water, flailing about the mouth agape. As Charles is standing there, he unchinks his sword from the mouth and tries to swim back to the ship before he gets capsized with this creature, which is very clearly sinking to the bottom of the ocean. Beautiful. So, gentlemen, as this happens, you see that there is this strange blowhole. 
and from it you saw that there was a fog pouring out of it. As it sinks into the water, the fog begins to dissipate. Charles begins swimming back to the ship. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that, that thing has a lot of teeth. A lot of teeth. Aye, I'm surprised that was even out here. Normally it's deeper ocean. No! Oh, I wonder who came up with that monstrosity. Very strange. I thought you said those things were in deep ocean. Where yes. are we? Well, we're not in the deep ocean. We're okay. in the coves and shallows, comparatively. As a man, nowhere on the water is safe. That's all you need to know. Sometimes these beasties do wonder, but seeing how we dispatched it with ease, you've got some good arms on you, lads. You wouldn't be interested in joining a crew now, would you? Well, we'll put a pin in that. We, we've got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> I mean, I have some immediate jobs and that uh, that are ahead of me, but uh, I mean, what's your schedule looking like in like five to six months? I don't have time for that. Yeah, okay, well, uh, it looks like it's a mess, fan. Right, we'll have his people talk to my people, you know. Right. Uh, I so, guess talk to him later, then? Uh, gentlemen, I am going to tell you some wonderful news. <gasps> oh, wait, that's right. That was a combat. You are going to all, to make this easier, be level seven. Oh, my God. Oh, Jaden, you just went up a level and a half. Oh, wait, really? Yeah, you were level five before, and she said we're all level seven now. Holy smokes. That catch-up XP be wild, though. Yeah, we that catch-up XP be I wild. I might be going less with the XP and maybe more just like... Yeah. Um, sort of uh, monument? It's not monument. <laughs> Milestone. 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 Luckily, we won't be having to stop anywhere for long repairs. We will be making port, however, at a, uh, what is a town called? Ben Benford. We have some deliveries to make there, and then we'll be making our haste towards Taija. So, the Starlight Maiden sails off, and you guys continue along your journey. You do make port temporarily in Benford, which is a small outpost on the western island and you are there for only a day seeing that the ship is dropping off supplies for the people here you learn that this is a location that is part of the red kingdom but there are no red guard here it seems the people have been left to their lonesome to colonize the land but you take off once again around day 11 the starlight maiden reaches the Red Barricade, which consists of several ships patrolling the area. You are given instruction to remain in your hold. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see a reason why not to. You are all within your little hideaway. As you are in there, I need you all to roll a perception check. 18 for Charles Smoot. 22 for Finn. This part of the deck has been mostly silent for the past 30 minutes or so. However, you hear the sound of heavy, somewhat hollow footsteps coming down the steps. But the footsteps are coming close to where you are within the hold. We stay as still as possible. The walking continues for a moment until all of a sudden you hear the footsteps seem to stop right outside of the door. And you hear a voice. What is it? It seems to chuckle. Come out now, little rabbit. No need to be scared. And you feel a slight 
breeze as the door begins to swing slowly open. It is dark in the room that you're in, since you've put out the lights to maintain as much discretion as possible. And as the door swings open, you see the silhouette of a figure seeming to wear a shoulder cape and some sort of uniform. Though the features are not able to be made out, he steps inside. And we're certainly not hidden. It's a very small room. There's like two, there's four bunks. They're like on the sides. Morning, Captain. He turns to you who are at the side door, like kind of up against it. Good day to you. Why don't you come outside? I believe we have some things to talk about. Uh, certainly. Fine. And following this man out of the room. Crossmoot would follow along very hesitantly yeah. with his hand close to the hilt of his sword. Valen also had his hand on his sword, which he slowly releases, but keeps it hovering just at that waist height. Following after this man, you guys step out into the light of this room and begin following up the stairs. You see that he seems to be wearing a black and red uniform. Charles, it seems strangely out of place for the time, but then again, the Red Guard have always seemed out of place. You follow him up the stairs, and you catch more of a glimpse of this soldier. He's almost the same height as Finnevere, maybe like a centimeter taller. I'm using Finnevere as the example here. Uh, Americans will use anything. (laughs) Except the magic system. Except the magic system. He's like not a cerulean tall. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you follow him up to the deck, where you see the captain has a table set out where he's sitting. The crew are going about their business as per usual. And he is sitting there, and this man seems to walk over to that place as well. Welcome, I'll sit then. Okay. I'm gonna glance at the captain and see if he can... Uh, Yeah, I'm reading Clem's facial expressions. Yeah, like where we set up. Is he trying to play cool? Oh, he's smiling, and you actually see... Well, Finnemir, this is the first time you've actually seen this otter. So you see an otter that is currently... Um, on the table, munching on, like, some bread. But she looks up, sees this man who has striking features with blondish hair, and he has a very strange scar across his right ear, which actually cuts into it, where the majority of the ear is missing. He has also a very crooked smile, but... As this otter looks up, she sees him and seems to run over and pops onto him. Well, Starlight, please. I must keep clean. No dirty animals on me. Please, take a seat. I'm so confused. I'm also very lost right now. Finn will take a seat. He thinks he has an idea of what's going on. So Finn will probably look a bit relaxed. Okay, what does Finn think is going on? Finn thinks that these guys aren't sneaking us through the border. They're bribing us through the border. And that's why things are so expensive. So we are going to get a set of rules from these Red Guard, and they're going to tell us how to act when we get on the other side. That's what Finn thinks. I am seriously not sure what I'm supposed to do. Valen walks over and takes a seat, Mm. farthest away from the Red Guard, glaring at him the entire time. Uh, Kelsey hesitantly walks over and sits between both of you. And Charles, 
would you take? Yeah, you would have to take the seat that's closest to this man, unless oh, Finn's so sitting there. Oh no, no, that's fine. Finn, Finn, Finn will it. like, like Finn will want to get the seat. So I, unless Smoot beats him there, are you, are you, what if he stabs you on the side, Finn? I think we're good, Smoot. I have a good feeling about this. All right, well that's fine. You can be the closest to danger, and I will be in between all the other people I care about. Uh, and Smoot just sits between everyone who is hesitant of this individual. You hear a chuckle from your Captain Clem. <laughs> Griffiths, you're going to be scaring these lads and lasses if you keep it up like that. This man, Griffiths, seems to just sit down, very upright and extremely proper. And he scans over all of you, landing momentarily on Valen before looking back over the rest of the group. So, this is the cruise that we will be allowing to pass through. He raises an eyebrow, looking towards Charles and Finnevere. Ah, hi. Hmm. Finn will just give a charming smile. Well, as discussed, the payment, then, Captain. And you see his Captain Clem takes a bag with the pearls and places them on the table. And you see as this man takes it. So, I just need a bit of information from you. What is it that you are trying to do when you go into the Red Kingdom's territory? <clears throat> uh, Smoot kind of glances nervously across the complexions of all of his various compatriots until he finally kind of just lands on Finnevere and, like, nudges him with his elbow. Well, a few interests. One, we were invited to Taija, and we don't really know by who. They simply mentioned that if we come, well, they just said to come. Really, I. For me, personally, I'm very interested to see what the markets are like. You see, I'm on the... Uh, I work with Asher Wineries, and I am very interested to see what the competition looks like, as well as what potential lucrative endeavors there may be. I'm a little new at this, so I'm still learning. It's my first time out in the world. First time traveling so far, so... And you would need to bribe your way into this territory for that? Come now. There must be more. Tell you what. You answer my questions, and I will answer your questions to the best of my ability. Oh, that, that's a dangerous game. That is a dangerous that's game. That's a very dangerous game. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> mm, I'm feeling dangerous. <laughs> So you want to take over? Because I'm feeling dangerous. Oh, I very, don't know very dangerous. Oh, to say, man. Gosh. Uh, uh, so in regards to the uh, invitation uh, of Origins uh, that didn't really specify where to go, we were invited. Hold on. Are we doing the question thing or not? Yeah, he uh, he wants to know why we're going there. So I'm going to... That was that was your question, right? Why are we coming to Taija and why do we need to be snuck in? That seems fair. Okay. We were invited by an organization known as Mother. Don't know if you've heard of it. I have not heard of this organization. All right, cool. It means we're pretty big. If your question is what organization is running our country, that would be the order. Do they they have a snake eating its tail? I don't believe so. Well, yeah, there's some underground organization that utilizes technology that can be found in ruins known as Mother. What? 
You asked a question. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it yeah. is my turn to ask a question. Oh, no, I was answering. I don't know. He has to ask the question. You can't answer without him asking. Oh, that's very fair. Follow the rules. I'm kind of new to this game. So, you are seekers, are you not? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. That, that's why we delved in ruins and how we got the transmission from Mother. Yep. Ben will pull out his badge out of his shirt and show him. Now, it is time for your question. That is how this game works. I have like eight billion questions, and and I kind of asked the last one, so maybe you get this one. One of my things I'm interested in learning is the whereabouts of either the individuals of John Xavier or Amali. <coughs> so my question is, do you know where I would go to try to find information on them? Because I have there are rumors that they should be down here somewhere. Or they could be down here somewhere, as they've gone missing. You could speak to the Red God about that. The Infinite Order is what is in charge of the city. I, however, am one of the Order Chariot. So, my role is out here. Right. What is it you are seeking out here? It is what I've been seeking the entire time. I just want to go home. I believe, for some reason, that this organization, Mother, has some connection to why I am here, and I need to figure out if they help me get back home. I love that answer, because it just has more questions. Yeah, I gotta get him to want to know more. I don't care if he thinks me a crazy man. As discretion is very necessary, as I have a very sneaking suspicion you guys don't like seekers, my question is... What would be the best way to very discreetly go about Taija without being noticed? If you are seeking to be unnoticed, the best way for that to happen would be for you to keep your head down, to stay out of trouble, and follow the laws. My question then, what relics are you carrying on your now? Oh. Uh, we can go online, nothing much. I got boots burrowing. Um, I've got a relic bag that I think technically counts as a relic, but stores relics in it. It's kind of neat. Uh, I've got my shield here that allows me to identify individuals' weak points. And uh can't remember if I have any other ones on there. Let me double check real quick. Got to rummage to my bag. Uh, anyone else, feel free to go while I'm looking. I've got this thing that lets me breathe. Ah. Uh. Underwater and uh, in really bad climates. Honestly, I don't think I have anything. I think I used it all. I have. And he puts Isabella on the table. Uh, you it, get an eyebrow raise from him. It's a relic. It's called a forget-me-doll. It's basically a curse to, to remind those who have left things behind to not do that thing. It'll also haunt your memories if you ever leave it somewhere where it's not. It'll always come back to you so one way or another. I have this blinking nodule. Oh, I have one of those too. That's what I forgot. I got these slippers that can let me walk on the sides of buildings or flat surfaces. I have a gnome downstairs that I haven't figured out what it does, but I'm reasonably certain it's a relic. I'm supposed to pat its head and something good's supposed to happen, but so far it just keeps taking my things and I find it other places, so I don't know what it does. <laughs> I think that's it. You better not be carrying more than three, Fenn. Oh, no, because the gnome stays downstairs. 
mean, even though we now can carry four, thanks to a sleepy bunny who left us a rating and review of one of this podcast. Wow, so strange. I feel like the outer world is invading our inner world. And I have this pen. Watch. And I, he takes out a paper, piece of paper, and he'll put the word Jethro of ear. <laughs> yeah, he'll just spell it out with the, the pen. It can write what you think. He just seems to nod. It seems we're going to have to keep good track of the laws to not stand out. What's a good way to find out what those are? You could speak to the Red Guard, Commander. The Infinite Guard of the city would know this information quite thoroughly. However, the simplest answer is do not lord about your relics. Do not speak of being seekers and do not kill anyone. Do not murder, do not destroy, do not harm. That is the only reason why I would let you through this barricade. Besides, the payment. I will not delve too deep into what you are seeking, since that puts me at great risk myself. I do not envy your plight. Some information that may help you. As far as I am aware, the Red King may be building a weapon to use in the future. Whether it not it is against your seeker kind or the other nations, I do not know. But I know that what they are looking for is held by the seekers. Something that may activate this weapon. My only purpose here was to see each of your faces for the future. For now, we may be neutral to each other. But in the future, we may be enemies. And you should know my face. We will remember it well. Strangely honorable of you. Yeah, good to know Red Guard's got standards. He raises his hand and kind of tilts his head casually. So, you are free to pass then, Captain. Hey, Commander. Have a good day. He gets up curtly and turns and seems to walk back to a ship where you see the slew of Red Guard standing there who are watching him on the ship. None of them came over. It was just him. But your ship heads on its way. Ben is going to take the first moment that they're all off the ship and moving away to say something to Lang. Lang is at the helm. You go up to him. You know, I don't know what the point of telling us to hide in the hideaway places if this is how things were going to turn out. We almost ambushed him. We were this close. I could have decapitated the man. <laughs> he would have. I don't think you could have, but it was just in case things did not go the way they were planned. But the Commander Griffith is an honorable man, and he will stick to any deals you make with him. As long as you don't break the rules, he will follow them as well. As much as the Red Guards seem to be a bunch of low lives in general, the generals of these low lives seem to be of pretty high standard. <laughs> we're all just people. And sometimes we're all misunderstood. We all have our reasons for doing what we do. Anyway. The ship continues sailing onward. And a day passes. And the next morning, you all are on the upper deck. You were told that you would be arriving to Taija the next day. The sun crests the horizon behind you. Its light cascades like a solemn curtain rising over a stage. 
hesitant to reveal a grievous sin. An impossibly tall stone wall looms before you, expanding for miles through both sea and land, encircling the city. The waves crash relentlessly against the stone as if to topple this monolith which stands in audacious defiance of nature while men walk atop it, mocking the temerity of the sea. For who can overcome the godliness of man? As the Starlight Maiden approaches the massive gates which stand open, there is a strange stillness to the sea within. She laps at the walls like a tame dog basking in her master's glory. The air here tastes of salt and a hint of strange spices. The city is before you, sprawling over the land like a blight. This is Taija, the home of the Red King. And that is where we're going to end off this week's episode of The Gate Chronicles. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Gate Chronicles, Foundlings. We hope that you enjoyed it and that you'll stick around as we move into this next arc. So it should be exciting. We want to give a big thank you and shout out to Michael Gelfi and Monument Studios for allowing us to use their music and ambiance in today's episode. Also, a lot of music in today's episode was used from um, Epidemic Sounds using the Bonnie Grace group. I like them a lot. So uh, make sure you guys leave us a rating or review in whatever listening app that you're on, and we will see you after our break over summer. Yay! Bye, guys! Bye! Three six. Three sixes? Bogus! I saw that one. It was a two! Oh, I was just three sixes. How do you figure it's three sixes? You only have two dice. We call them a boat. That's how it works. You don't know how to play this game. What do you? Of course I know how to play this game. I've been playing this game since before you were born. I've been playing this game before I was born. What? That's mighty impressive. <sighs>